0: Good evening church. Another Wednesday night. I'm glad you're tuning in. Tonight I wanted to look at walking with God and that will be the title of this little study is walking with God and and basically we talk a lot about our life's journey our, our walk needs to be with God and we talk about as Christians following him or walking with him or fellowship with him whatever you want to call it but what does it really mean to walk with God and that's what I want to look at from an old testament character who gives us some examples of of what it means to walk with god realizing one central truth that we are called to have a love relationship with god god created humankind to have a love relationship with him where we freely express our love and we love him as first john tells us because he first loved us and he loved us enough that he looked down through history and he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross in our place for my sins, for your sins, that we might have that relationship. But specifically, what does it mean to walk with God? We're going to be in Genesis chapter 5 to begin with, and then look at a couple other scriptures. Genesis chapter 5, and we're going to begin with verse 18. It said that Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. And he'll be the focus of our story Enoch is the seventh son from Adam and seven is always important Enoch after he brought Enoch Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters so all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died when you start reading Genesis chapter 5 that is the uh, formula that is the repetitiveness of it that is the normalcy of it if you will because it says, so and so lived to be this long and they begat and he, he lists the first son's name and then lived so many years after the birth of the first son and begot other sons and daughters. And then the ending of the, of the formula or the characterization or the normalcy of life is, and he died. Until we get to Enoch. And so it says, all the days of Jared in, in uh, Genesis 5.20, were 962 years and he died. Then it says in verse 21, Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. Methuselah is the oldest person, lives the longest of anyone in the Bible. And after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Now notice the formula changes. And Enoch didn't say he lived, it says Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day, for your scripture. Make it come alive to us. Holy Spirit, teach us. There's no preaching or teaching or understanding except you bring it to our minds and to our hearts. So enlighten us through your word, Holy Spirit. Uh, guide us to the principles that you would have us learn about walking with you and having fellowship with you and living with you. And Lord, you receive the glory from that. And if there's any within the sound of my voice listening to this, if they don't know Jesus, lead them to Jesus, Father. That is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. As I said, we're called to have uh, a love relationship with God. And And the first point is Enoch walked with God. That's what it says in verse 24. And Enoch walked with God. So, Walk there is an interesting Hebrew word, and it means to walk back and forth. In other words, it was a repetition. It was normal. Everywhere he went back and forth, from his home to wherever, Enoch walked with God. And it's an idiom, it's an expression that really means that that Enoch, his life is characterized by his devotion to God, his worship with God, his relationship with God. God stood out in his life. And so, if we're going to walk with God like that, uh, there's two or three things that are very simple that we need to understand. First of all, we must move in the divine direction. When it says he walked with God, it means back and forth. It means that he did the things that were pleasing to God. He walked with God back and forth. He moved in the same direction as God. See, there comes a point in our lives where we're convicted of our sin. When we repent of our sins and place our faith in Christ, The word repent means to turn around. We've been going away from God, away from what He wants, we've been displeasing to Him. We come to have a relationship through faith and repentance of our sins. And it means we walk away from that sin life, but it means we walk with God. We walk in God's direction. Enoch was doing that. And if we're going to have a walk with God, that's one of the first things we move in the divine direction. His direction becomes important in our lives. Then we need to be Uh, Point B would be we must be in agreement with God. Agreement with God. You can't walk with God if you're not in agreement with God. You can't be right or related to God unless you agree with Him. Uh, Amos 3.3 says this, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? And the question is phrased in such a way that, no. They can't walk together. It's not like, well, you have your difference and I have mine. We'll get along. No. When you walk with God, you agree with God. You see, when we repent of sin, it means I agree with God. This is evil. This is wrong. This is hurtful. This is sinful. And I want to forsake it. I want to walk with you. We're in agreement with God that that is bad and that his way is good, that he is upright, that he is perfect, that he is holy, that he is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. And we love him for that. It's a freedom of walking with God in his direction and in agreement with him and the way he says we're Christians supposed to live. But there also has to be a mutual trust. That's point C. There has to be a mutual trust. How much do we trust God? It shows up in several ways, but it shows up in what do we pray for? It shows up in... uh, What part of our lives do we reserve from God? I'll control this, but you control the rest. Or do we really surrender all of it to God? Do we trust Him? It means that we realize and trust Him enough to believe the promises that that He has our best interest. That He'll never leave us nor forsake us. That all things, good and bad, that comes through His love for us, He will work together for good to those who are called according to His purpose, to walk with Him in a love relationship. and to be conformed to the image of his son this walk means we become more and more like Jesus the scholars say that's the process of sanctification we're saved, then we're sanctified and ultimately when we get to heaven God will will be glorified made totally perfect and to walk with him means there's mutual trust we need to ask ourselves very specifically how much do I trust God what part of my life do I not trust God with for example, when Matthew was in college and made a mission trip to China and come back then he might be called to missions. He ultimately wasn't. It scared me to death. I didn't want him in China. I wanted control. I, I, God, he's got to be here where I can get to him, where I can fly to him easily, or where I can drive to him easily. And then God finally convicted me and says, don't you think I can take care of him better than you can? Well, of course, God, then why are you worried about this? Because ultimately I had a lack of trust and I had to repent of that that's just an example from my life what are the things you don't trust god with maybe it's a job maybe it's a relationship a husband a wife a child a mom or a dad what do you not trust god with and then point d under enoch walk with god be we must be in step with him now that sounds a little like moving his direction but To be in step is sort of a picture here of of a military that's moving and marching in step. It's a beautiful thing, they're all just right, but that is to teach them more than just a parade ground. That is to teach them to be in step and to depend on one another, to be doing the same things for a common goal, so that when they're in the battlefield and chaos hits and explosions are going on and bullets are whipping by or, or other things that can harm you, that you're in step with your brother. You're moving to this section. You're moving to that section. You're watching each other's backs. You're doing that. But to be in step with God means this for us. We don't run ahead to God and we don't lag behind. He isn't constantly begging us, catch up. You're missing it. Come on. You didn't have to. It's not like my mom used to say, boy, getting you to do something it's like pulling teeth. And that is a hard thing. But we can't run ahead of him either. Saying, come this way, God. No, he's in control. He knows the way. uh, And we need to realize that where he leads us, he's already been. He knows past, present, and future. And a lot of times he'll lead us in ways we've never been. We still want to run ahead of God. And then wonder why we get hurt or why something doesn't work out because we didn't wait on God. We were not in step with him. Walking with God means that, to be in step with him. To move in His direction, to be in agreement, to have mutual trust. We need to ask, are we in step with God? And one of the tests is, when's the last time you heard a clear, clear impression, a clear voice from the Holy Spirit saying, yes. Because God said, I will walk behind you and show you the way to go. Turn right here, turn left there. In other words, He's giving the directions because we haven't been there. So, do we understand that? that we're to walk with God, to have a love relationship, that our life is characterized by our devotion, our worship of God, our relationship with Him. And we do those four things under walking with God. We move in His direction, we are in agreement with Him, we have mutual trust, and we can, mutual trust means that not only do we trust God, He can also trust us to do the right thing. And we need to ask what things He's given us that show that He trusts us. And then we have to be in step with Him. So, Enoch walked with God, but when we go Enoch is also mentioned in the book of Hebrews and and here it says Enoch pray please God so Enoch walks with God Roman number one number one Roman number number two Enoch please God it's in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 the faith chapter the hall of fame and it's in verses five and six now it says by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Wow. We, we call, he was, you know, you might call that translated. Uh, you might call that uh, something else, but it just says he was taken away so he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him for before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Wow. Please God? Isn't that the way we want to live? Wouldn't that be a great epitaph uh, if we die before Jesus comes back and on our tombstone they could write this man, this woman their testimony is they pleased God. Amazing. But without faith it is impossible to please Him for he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So Enoch pleased God and for He had a witness on record in the Old Testament and the New Testament that he walked with God and God took him. He pleased God. And and the word there in Greek means uh, like a slave pleasing a master. You were pleasing to your master. And that was Enoch. He was pleasing in his service, in his walk with God. Uh, What a testimony. But how do we please God? Um, I think there are three essentials to this. First, you have to have faith, faith in God and His way. Second, you have to have uprightness. We walk in a way that we live for Him and we don't practice habitual sin. And thirdly, our lives should be characterized by obedience. God says it and we do it. There isn't any argument, there isn't any dragging our feet. There's no, um, I don't want to do that. It's, yes, Lord. Because it says, Enoch was taken away. I think the Greek word is translated or something of like that, which we'll look in a minute. But it means he did not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, it says, when well, he pleased God, he pleased God. And that means he lived a life of faith and of uprightness and of obedience. And then he, he, he gives us that definition of faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. For he who comes to him, to God, must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So those are the essentials and then there's the extreme. When extreme, when you look back at Genesis chapter 5, Enoch would have been called an extreme Christian. Uh, Some people would call him a nut, narrow-minded, a Bible-thumper, all kinds of Uh, negative connotations but it's really a good connotation because his focus was on pleasing God of walking with God in his ways the right way but see compared to his day he was extreme because it mentions him as pleasing God it mentions Noah as finding grace with God there are very few that have that kind of walk that kind of relationship with the Lord in those days and so compared to the sin that was going on around him compared to the degradation compared to how society lived, he was extreme. Everybody else was doing these sins and going further from God. He was walking back with God, obeying God, having faith in God, pleasing God. So maybe another epitaph for our tombstones would be extreme Christian. It's not a bad thing. So he pleased God. The third thing is from verse 5 of Hebrews 11, Enoch was translated by God. He was translated by God. To translate means to transpose or to change. It says he was not found, he did not see death, because God had taken him. And by that, I think it was by that definition of faith in verse 6. Faith is divine. We have to believe in God's existence. He knew God. He knew God existed. He walked with Him back and forth. He pleased Him. He lived His life for Him. He had a relationship, which we're called to have in Jesus Christ. The only way to have a relationship with God. So he believed in God's existence, but believing that God rewards those who seek Him. And and to me, he lived such a life that one day he's out walking with God, and God says, It's time for you just to follow me on home. And God took him. Later on, he took Elijah, a chariot of fire. Enoch just walked into heaven. Can you imagine living that kind of life? He did not physically die. Elijah did not physically die. He was raised up. We can get into all kinds of stuff of that. But you see, he rewards those who diligently seek him. I want to pause here and uh, just remember What it said, he was translated, transposed, changed, did not die, did not have to taste death. He went with God. But it said that he lived 365 years, and we're going to comment that in a minute. The last place we see Enoch mentioned is in Jude, the little book of Jude, just one chapter, verse 14. But we're going to look at verses 12 through 15 to get the flavor of what the author of Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, is talking about. And that leads me to the fourth and final point. See, first of all, Enoch walked with God. Secondly, he pleased God. Third, uh, God Enoch was translated. And lastly, fourth, Enoch prophesied. It says this. These are the spots in your love feast while they feast with you without fear serving only themselves. They are clouds without water carried about by the winds laid on trees without fruit twice dead pulled up by the roots raging waves in the sea foaming up their own chain wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. In other words these are apostates these are false prophets these are false people that are coming to church and fellowshipping with believers and they do not know Christ and they cause trouble and they lead people away. But in verse 14 it says, Now Enoch the seventh from Adam, the seventh son, special, prophesied about these men saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment law, to convict, convict all who are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Even Enoch can see." In his day, and maybe looking into the future, that there are ungodly people who pretend to be one thing they're not, and one day Christ is coming with ten thousand of His, ten thousand of them, of His angels, to execute judgment. See, He prophesied, and that tells me that service flows from fellowship. He served God, he prophesied God, he probably told others of his day that they need to be serving God, that they need to come back to God, that they need to repent of their sins. But he prophesied that those that don't, those that are false and claim one thing but live another thing, are gonna be judged by God. And, and when you're walking with God, that precedes him calling you to serve him, maybe not as a prophet or something, but, but to serve him, that service should be out of the love that we've experienced from God and it serves him and it's loving to others that, want, that need to know God need to know our Savior, but it says they lived three hundred and sixty-five years. One complete year of service and walking for God for every day of the calendar year we observe. Can you imagine? Living that kind of life? It's possible if we walk with God and serve Him. Now you see that's possible because we know Jesus Christ it's possible because he said you'll do greater works than these other things he had done because the Holy Spirit's with us he's with us all at the same time he manifests his gifts to us he he, he is everywhere at once when Jesus is gonna be in one place at a time and we're to be serving God and and service flows from fellowship and it, it flows from our love relationship and and the years that we have that we serve Him are blessed by God because He rewards those who believe that He is and diligently search for Him, and we're going to find Him. The reward is knowing God in that fellowship. The reward is the blessings that just come from that. We become more like Christ. Remember, He ordained those to be conformed to the image of His Son. Sanctification. What a blessing that God doesn't just leave us where we're at and say, You're on your own. We get worse and worse. When we're saved, he's given us his word. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us his literal presence within us to guide us so that we can be more Christ-like to make us fit, if you will, to be called Christians, to prepare us for where we're going to live. It's not going to be this old sinful world. No sin in heaven, no sorrow, no death. None of those things that we have to fight now no disease but it starts with a walk with God have you confessed your sins and repented of them and placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior if you haven't you're not walking with God you're not doing the one requirement remember the one requirement in the garden don't eat of the tree the knowledge of good and evil and they couldn't do that And I see the same thing people trying to be like God or trying to work their way to God or however you want to describe it because they'll do all kinds of good things but they won't do the one thing that God said you have to do. See, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. In other words, in the divine economy, to pay for sin, there had to be the shedding of blood. to be a perfect sacrifice Jesus lived a perfect sinless life and God said if you'll place your faith on him believe in your heart and confess with your mouth you shall be saved and people refuse to do that if you haven't done that you need to do that you just simply need to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth in other words ask God to save you the Holy Spirit will draw you and you feel that you need to do that and accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior And then, that's not the end. That's the beginning. Because then He wants to walk with us day by day to lead us, to grow us, to make us more Christ-like, to bless us with His presence and other blessings untold. Besides just that. But that's the main blessing. To know Him. To be with Him. Not only now, but forevermore. Maybe you're here and you need to Rededicate your heart and life. You haven't been living for Christ. Or maybe it's grown cold and you don't know what's wrong with your relationship. You need to ask God. Maybe you need to join the church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day. For your many blessings. Just pray that you'll help us to do what is pleasing to you. In Christ's name. Amen. Good night, church. Have a good one.